This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jurecki, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. All right, quick wellness check off the top. How did everyone handle the first Sunday without football in about seven months? And between the three of us, I'm most worried about you, MJ, on how you dealt with the first Sunday without any football whatsoever. Well, I did watch a couple (laughs) um, games on the NFL Network. (laughs) There we go. There's always football somewhere. Uh, Actually, they were replaying the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Rams game, and they're showing the Cardinals are three and zero at that time. Okay, this is this is encouraging, and of course. You know, the Rams were able to win that game and everything else. But, yeah, um, and I did watch the Super Bowl again. Um, just, you know, every time you watch it, you figure something else out, even though the score doesn't change. That's true. Yeah, you can <laughs> you can watch these games all over again, but uh, the outcome and what you remember is, is still right there for you. Uh, and I'm guessing for you, Kyle, there was uh, plenty to do without football in your life. You've got a uh, house full of kids and uh, a lot of fun stuff that was going on over the weekend you were telling us. Yeah, we, I took the kids skiing up in Flagstaff. Um, I don't get on skis. I was not made for for winter or even extreme type sports. Um, I like to have my feet firmly on the ground. So I did a lot of carrying around supplies. I was basically the pack mule for the weekend, but um, it, it's good. Um, it, it feels like the Super Bowl was a month ago already. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is as as a diehard football fan now, um, it, it already seems like a long off season. I always uh, have told Craig, whoever made the NFL calendar, he needs a raise. Right. Because, you know, after the Super Bowl, all of a sudden now we're getting closer to the combine and then free agency and then obviously offseason workouts. So, you know, obviously when you get to June, middle of June until the end of July, that's really the only time they're off. Yeah, it's not only the schedule. The NFL does a, a fantastic job of marketing um, and selling and selling advertisements and promoting, you know, all of these off-season events like the Combine has, um, you know, really been a must-watch. It's turned into a must-watch thing, and it's a lot of people's first opportunity to really get a good look at some of these college athletes and see what they look like and, and how how physically skilled some of these athletes are. So, yeah, I mean, it is just one thing after the next, and, um, you know, it, it – there's always something to be thinking about and talk about during an NFL offseason. And right now, the thinking and talking about still remains what happened. What happened to the Arizona Cardinals in 2021? You go 10-2 and two and then 1-5 and five down the stretch. And this is the time where, after a little bit of a break, the coaches come back into the facility, break down tape on what happened, and looking ahead not only to free agency but the draft prospects as well. Last week first opportunity to hear outside of head coach cliff kingsbury but one of the assistant coaches wide receivers coach sean jefferson a guest on the big red rage and of course the question had to be asked what happened to the offense down the stretch i think injuries happened to us at the wrong time and you know when you're making that super bowl run 
you got to kind of be hitting on all cylinders health-wise and everything like that. You know, our quarterback went down. Uh, D-Hop was a major part of that because it changed the way the defenses would play us. It really did. He's, he's such an impact player out there. And, you know, and usually we have a Hopkins uh, out there. The defenses usually roll to his side. So, And then you have, you know, guys playing, other guys one-on-one. You be, you're able to create mismatches that way. And, and uh, you know, by not having him on the field certainly impacted us. It was a huge impact, Kyle, because with Hopkins, 30 points per game over those 10 games that he was on the football field. Seven games without D-Hop, 21 points a game. You always talk about the quarterback being the biggest difference within an offense, but for the Cardinals, it certainly seemed like it was number 10, the biggest difference as far as what happened in those first 12 games versus those last six games. Yeah, and the reason for that, um, you know, if a quarterback goes down, um, you know, you a defense is, is still unpredictable and they're going to do unpredictable things. But when DeAndre Hopkins is on the field, um, you can predict for the most part what the defense is going to do and how they're going to defend him. Because when you have an elite wide receiver who is a big threat, um, can score on any given play, um, the defense has to account for that and or they're going to get beat. And so I think things became, for the most part, pretty predictable for this offense, pretty predictable for Kyler Murray and what he was going to see coverage-wise, what he was going to see blitz-wise, what he was going to see front-wise. And then, um, you know, he got injured and then D-Hop got injured. And and toward the end of the season, you started to see some different things from defenses. And it wasn't – things didn't look the same as they did the first few weeks and you weren't able to execute some of the same plays you were able to execute – um, before he went down with the injury. So um, I think that's the biggest factor is, um, you know, just how teams were able to take more chances. Teams were able to get into different coverages, disguise coverages, and disguise blitzes more when D-Hop wasn't in the game. And now the onus, MJ, is on those coaches that are back in the building to try to figure out, all right, let's hope that we don't have this same situation in 2022, that Hopkins is available for all 17 games. But if not, how do we adjust? Because I'm sure there was those conversations in those six games at the end of the regular season, but and counting the postseason loss to the Rams, but it certainly just it wasn't good enough. So now you're going back to the drawing board, so to speak. Yeah, you know, I talked to someone recently on the coaching staff, and he said they did a nice deep dive on why they're struggling in the second half of the season. He believes they're going to get it corrected, but he also mentioned injuries. And, you know, we look at the offensive line, nine different line combinations. Um, you know, obviously that's a unit you want to have continuity, and this team really didn't play well from behind. Um, they, were, they were playing catch-up, and obviously when you're pressing, you know, you go back to that game, four, three and outs. You know, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, you got to get off your call sheet. But the fact that when Hop was in there, they were eight and two. It's amazing because even when that injury did happen, MJ, you know, we, you and I were talking about it, there's, there's no way that one player can make that big of a difference. I was proven wrong because what well, one player did make that big of a difference without number 10 on the football field. But that can't happen again. Now, it was an anomaly this past season for Hopkins to miss as many games as he did. But you have to have a plan B and a plan C. Plan D, keep going until you figure it out. Yeah, but once you're once you're in the season, I mean, it's difficult. They went out and made a trade for, for Zach Ertz. I'm, I'm sure they were looking at some of the receivers, you know, based on how A.J. Green played in the second half of the season. So, you know, that's why you have to have depth, but I, I think it's really important that the Cardinals find a number two wide receiver. And obviously, you know, Rondell Moore, we're going to talk about him. 
Uh, his role could change a little bit. We'll see what happens with Christian Kirk. You have Antoine Wesley. He's more of a four or five. But I th- definitely think if you want to take pressure off of Hop and allow him to do what he does, you need a number two wide receiver. And whether that is someone in free agency or someone in the upcoming draft, but also this offseason overall, as far as who you know that will be on the roster, a Rondell Moore, an Antoine Wesley, a DeAndre Hopkins, Andy Isabella, guys that are under contract for the Arizona Cardinals heading into 2022. The offseason becomes such a an important part of what now happens for this Cardinals offense and defense as well, Kyle. But when you look at this offense and maybe – more time together, whether that's here or somewhere else. I don't know what the offseason is going to look like. There have been two offseasons now in which the Players Association have pushed back on what is able to be done here at the facility. Whether that happens again or not, I have no idea. But you would hope that if it doesn't happen here, it's happening somewhere where these players are getting together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in order to be good at football, you have to practice football. There's only so much you can do outside of the facility, outside of being with your teammates, outside of coaching, um, that will get to you as a team where you want to be. Um, and, and I see, um, you know, another thing going back to the injuries, it's not just the lack of off-season work together. Um, with these injuries, there was a lot of practices missed by key veterans, including almost a month in the middle of the season with Kyler Murray um, being under center and running, just, just getting reps, getting reps not only with DeAndre Hopkins, but getting reps with Antoine Wesley and some of these younger receivers. And that affects you. It affects your ability to make these in-game adjustments because you haven't done all of these things over and over and over. And a lot of the way these offenses work the receiver has to see the exact same thing as the quarterback. And we did see times throughout this past season where there was there seemed to be miscommunication on, um, I thought the receiver was running this route and Kyler threw it over here and nobody was there. Um, and, and so you just, it, you know, nothing can replace quality reps. And, you know, practice reps aren't game reps, but it, it does help. And it, it gets everybody on the same page, everybody in the same rhythm, and the timing has to be there. So, um, you know, the... It, the the offseason will help. It will help Kyler Murray. I think you're going to see a, another big jump for him. Um, but it will be key that he gets you know some of these veterans in and whichever help, whichever either through the draft or free agency, they need to get into and get these reps with Kyler Murray so that the team can you know can build off of what they did, especially at the beginning of the season this past year. Well, we heard leading into the Super Bowl and the success that Matthew Stafford had with Cooper Cup. It wasn't only the offseason work that they had, but the work before practice began. First thing in the morning, watching film together. That was a big talking point leading up to Super Bowl 56. So the question posed to Sean Jefferson, getting Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, much like Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Well, I think number one, you know, these last two years pretty much put a hamper on a damper on the off season workout program. So I think now getting back to some kind of normalcy with the off season uh workout program and OTAs and stuff like that, I think that's when all that stuff is captured in there. The the, the time and the importance of, you know what I'm saying, that like getting the reps in and, and, and Kyle knowing when I even look at it hop what we're doing in that situation and everything like that. I think by us having a full off season now, I think that'll help us uh, uh going forward. And it's not only, again, MJ, the work here at the facility, but work that these players do away from the facility together because doing the work here is not enough, as Stafford and Cup showed this past season. Yeah, and don't forget a lot of this stuff is voluntary. 
So, you know, uh, obviously the NFL didn't prefer guys to work out during COVID, but a couple guys did go to uh, Texas, and last year A.J. Green went up there. So you got to hope, you know, how much time Kyler Murray spends in Arizona, how much time has he spent there. And clearly, I mean, you got to think that they're going to try to get together at some point. But keep in mind, a lot of this stuff is voluntary. Yeah, but it's proven here that if you do put in the work now, it will pay off in December, January, and February. No, we, I get it. We, I mean, we, you know, so I, 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 I totally understand. Yes, it's voluntary. Kyle, you know it. You know, players want their off time, but you can't have it both ways. Yeah, it, it's really hard to make uh, vast improvements during the season. Once you hit training camp, um, you know, it's difficult to improve as an individual or even as a team. Most of your improvements, the way you close the gap on, on the teams that finish better than you is the work you put in from now until training camp. Well, we'll see what kind of work this team does put in here in the offseason and specifically Rondell Moore. What happens in year two for the young wide receiver out of Purdue? We'll get into that conversation as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Murray straight drop back in trouble. Flushed out, moving left. Fires it deep. Left side, a jump ball. It's caught on the near sideline, but they say out of bounds. Boy, Rondell Moore, just a heck of a catch. Man, he was interfered with. I don't know how they didn't call pass interference. Boy, did he catch it, though, Wolf? The ruling on the field has been changed to a catch. Well, they changed, down. They changed the ruling on the field to a catch. What an incredible – I mean, you got it. That's as good as it gets. I cannot even believe what I just saw on replay. They got some filthy dudes making plays. I mean, Rondale Moore, that catch. That is one of the sickest plays I have seen and we're talking about a rookie wide receiver. Great field awareness. Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley talking about that toe tap catch against the 49ers at home at University of Phoenix Stadium back in week five in October. And yeah, a rookie wide receiver. Hey, in college, you only need one foot. In the NFL, you need two. And Moore was able to get both feet inbounds. A huge play in what would be a win for the Cardinals 17-10 to as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rio, Luke Avenibosh, and Mike Jarecki talking about the young wide receiver, Cardinals draft pick, and now year two for the young man. And it was a great first season, I think, there was maybe a little bit of a wall that he hit, but overall, 14 games played, missed three games with an ankle injury, able to come back for that wild card game. But we saw him, Kyle, on special teams, and we did see him play a lot of wide receiver, moved around a lot in the slot. But I think this team is excited about where Rondell Moore could be, not just next season, but seasons to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, every time he touched the ball, you could see um, just the ability he had. Um, you know, but a good part of his contribution to this offense was him getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage or within a couple of yards of the line of scrimmage, making one or two guys miss, turning a, you know, three-yard catch into a 10-yard gain. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, the thing we kept talking about throughout the season was we'd like to see him down the field. I think what we all envision – um, you know, I hate to make player comps, but you envision a Tyreek Hill type of influence on this offense where 
he can catch a five-yard route and take it to the house. But um, if you jump that route, he's going to go deep and he's going to be a threat down the field. And I think that's where his progression is going to go because he shows, um, you know, not maybe that quite that type of speed of Tyreek Hill, but he shows the similar type of abilities and the awareness and the ability to make people miss and the ability to stick his foot in the ground and gain yards in a hurry. Um, so I think, you know, even when you watched him on punt returns throughout the season, every time he was back there, I thought this is the time he's going to break one. This is the time he's going to break one because he just has that dynamic type of ability. And I think that they're going to find a, a way to utilize his abilities more this coming season. Caught the ball, ran the ball, and it was eight yards after catch, 15th best in the league. Get him in open space, MJ, and all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, he could be gone. Yeah, 973 yards all-purpose. He was targeted 64 times, had 54 catches, about 84%. And he did average 8.1 on punt returns and 22.4 on kickoff return. But again, I, I... you know, I like the eye candy, throwing the ball to him. And like Kyle said, he puts his foot in the ground, he can go. And I looked at the size. Rondell Moore's 5'7", 181. Tyreek Hill's 5'10", 185. So he's a little bit taller, but similar weight. And so he could be that guy in this Cardinals offense. So what is the plan for Rondell Moore in year two? Again, Sean Jefferson, Cardinals wide receivers coach last week on the Big Red Rage. The next step for him is uh, targeting more downfield, adding to his route tree. You know, it's coming in as a rookie. You know, you got D-Hob, you got Christian Kirk, you got A.J. Green. So he's kind of lost in that, you know what I'm saying, by being a rookie and everything like that. But um, that's one of the things that me and Ronda have discussed about growing his routes, tree, being able to put him outside a little bit more where he can run some of those routes on the outside. So his his, his route tree will grow leaps and bounds uh, this year. So, And, again, we've talked about how important the offseason is going to be, the offseason workout and the OTA is going to be. That's when the growth comes. That's when you're going to take the steps uh, and learn how to run those routes. He's a phenomenal route runner already, but just learning the little nuances of playing on the outside opposed to playing on the inside of the field. That was a lot of the discussion, MJ, during the course of the season was, okay, how do you get Rondell Moore more involved? Well, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Chase Edmonds, James Conner. All right, well, you want one player to get more involved, it's going to become at the expense of someone else. And then when D-Hop wasn't around, well, Rondell Moore was hurt with an ankle injury. So kind of a double-edged sword right there. But it does, I think, hearing from Coach Jefferson that they would like to utilize him and not just pigeon him in as far as a slot receiver based off of his size. Yeah, I'm looking at Cooper Cup. He's 6'2", 194, and you talk about a guy that runs great routes. I mean, he does a double move, and it's really unstoppable, and, and you could tell they work together. So, yeah, it's it's we're a situation where sometimes it takes guys into that second year. We see the development of Jalen Thompson, Byron Murphy, Zach Allen. Now that's the year two to three. Um, but I, I would anticipate just from a confidence standpoint, knowing he can play in this league, and he's going to be a big part of the offense besides Hopkins and hopefully Zach Ertz is back. And I like his ability because you brought it up, Kyle, as far as in the backfield, whether it's a little a handoff to where he's running or it's that little touch pass to where he comes across in a jet sweep motion and it's a quick shovel pass and all of a sudden he's coming across, gets to the edge, and then turns it upfield. 
Right. Um, you know, we uh, just talked about a comp, and obviously he's built differently. But when you have a player that can take a handoff and a player that can catch screen passes and a player that can go deep, you look at Debo Samuel. I mean, obviously we wouldn't use him in that way. But when you have a receiver that has the skill set he has, um, you really want to utilize it. You want to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. And that's that's what the Niners did with, with Debo. Um, and, you know, and, and what I loved hearing from Sean Jefferson um, he made it sound like, so a lot of our conversations are what the Cardinals are going to do this offseason. Um, A.J. Green may not be back, so we need to go out and get a number two. Um, it sounds like he's looking to move Rondell outside more. And, and what the issue was last year was um, A.J. Green was our number two. DeAndre Hopkins went down. At that point, A.J. Green wasn't able to be the number one, be that deep threat, be the guy that Kyler can just throw it up to when he's in trouble. But now maybe we can develop that number two from within our roster, the guys we know we know we have now, and Rondell Moore might be that guy with the type of speed he has and the ability to do just about anything on the football field. Um, maybe if there is an injury, you can adjust your game plan and maybe he can step into more of a number one type role. When you say number one, number two, are you talking about who Kyler is looking at or are you talking about that prototypical, if you're a one or a two, you're six feet two, 210 pounds, the ability to high point a ball? Because I don't know if Rondell Moore is capable of doing that if he's covered by someone who's 5'10", six feet tall. Right, but he can stretch the field. I mean, Tyreek can beat anybody over the top. You know, I, I'm just saying, yeah, it's it's both, right? It, um, your number one is obviously your top receiver, the guy you go to, the guy who probably catches the ball the most. Um, and, and But, you know, typically number two is also opposite of him on the other side of the field so that, um, you know, you're using every blade of grass and then you can hit other guys underneath. And I think he has that ability at least to potentially move into that number two receiver spot um, and that would be nice so that we don't have to, um, you know, go out and spend a bunch of money on a number two receiver because once you try to get that number two in free agency, typically it's going to cost you a lot of money. Debo Samuel, six feet, 215, it's a little bit bigger, but I think Christian Kirk took, took a lot of those targets away from Rondell Moore. He was targeted 103 times, 77 on 103, 75%. He probably should have had over 1,000 yards. He had a few drops there, and he played in all 17 games. And that was the big difference from the last couple of years. And obviously he's a free agent, so there's no guarantee you're going to be able to bring him back. And if you don't have an A.J. Green, you don't have a Christian Kirk, there will be someone added, whether that's in free agency or the draft. The question is, are you spending a lot of money or is that money spent better at some other position? And as you said, Kyle, you develop from within. You get Rondell Moore the ability to where he can be utilized in a number of different ways. He's not just the outside receiver, but maybe on this particular drive, we see him in the backfield. Or on the next drive, it's in the slot. Or on that same drive, he's bouncing around. If he's capable as far as the football IQ, and when we hear from him, well-spoken individual, loves the game, always looking at film and breaking down film and wanting to do more, maybe there is an opportunity for him to maybe be that guy all over the field yeah i think um you know we talked about and we've seen the dangers of of putting too much on a rookie's plate right and so i think you know while for a good part of the season um a lot of us are wondering why aren't they working the ball down the field why isn't he running a go route or a seven route or a nine or a eight route and and getting the ball down the field because he has that type of speed um but you know 
to a degree, I credit the coaches for not asking too much because he already did a lot, having to learn, um, you know, how to run the ball, how to read blocks, how to all of the gadget plays that he had. Now with the full off season, um, you can add some of that to his plate, and that's exactly what Coach Jefferson was talking about. Was you know we're going to. He's going to run every route on the field. He's going to learn it, and he's going to develop into a more complete receiver because now you have that time, you have the full offseason, and, and I think you're going to see a huge jump from year one to year two with him. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see what the Cardinals do in free agency because all of a sudden it's a really deep draft of wide receiver. Now we know that they you know try to hit on a couple of those guys and it hasn't panned out. Hopefully more is that Marquez uh, Val's scandaling. Uh, to me, he's a really good player. Obviously, you got Aaron Rodgers, only 27 years old. Zay Jones is 26. So these guys are more affordable than the top guys. Rondell Moore listed at 5'7", 180, but you heard from Coach Jefferson, runs good routes. And you run a good route, beat your defender, then all of a sudden you gain that separation for the quarterback to get you the football. And you don't need to be 6'2", 6'3", high point the football because you have that separation and Kyler Murray can get Rondell Moore the football. We'll see what happens coming up here in 2022. We've hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Reports. More we'll hear from Coach Van Jefferson, excuse me, Coach Sean Jefferson as we continue here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Daniel takes, fakes the run in trouble, gets hit, Chandler Jones forces a fumble. It's picked up by Corey Peters, hit from behind by Jones and sack. They cannot block 55. Here comes Chandler Jones, another sack. Chandler Jones is obliterating Taylor Lewan. Hit by Jones, fumbles the ball. It's loose and recovered by the Cardinals. Another sack. Chandler Jones is fourth, tying a career high. Tannehill on fourth down, hit and sacked. Chandler Jones, five sacks on the day for 55. Right now, you could not find one hair on Ryan Tannehill's back because it has been thoroughly waxed by the professor who's got the Ph.D. in back waxing. Chandler Jones with his fifth sack. Impressive to say the least. Five sacks in week one. Chandler Jones, however, with just five and a half the next 14 games he played. Finished with double-digit sacks for the fifth time in six seasons with the Arizona Cardinals. Question is, will there be a seventh or eighth season with the Arizona Cardinals? As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rio, Luke Alvanabosch, and Mike Jarecki. Yes, Chandler Jones, one of the many free agents for this Arizona Cardinals team, an unrestricted free agent. Free agency begins mid-March, although today, beginning today through March 8th, teams have the ability to tag players, place that franchise tag on a player, and then not allow them to move or test free agency. A lot of big names out there. Devontae Adams of the wide of the uh, Green Bay Packers, the wide receiver, one of those players that might see that franchise tag. The question is, if you do not have a Chandler Jones, Mike Jarecki, what do you have as far as a pass rush for this Cardinals team? Well, I mean, that's what the offseason is going to become. I mean, you got Marcus Golden. You have, um, we'll see what they tender Dennis Gardick. Um, you know, Kennard's on the roster, but obviously you look at his production, maybe he's not going to be here. So, um, you know, in free agency, it's going to cost you a lot of money, probably in the draft. The Cardinals are picking 23rd overall. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, he's going to be hard to replace. But, uh, you know, after 
you know, five sacks in week one. He kind of disappeared. Now, he did lead the team in, in pressures, tackles, or hits, um, forced fumbles. Um, but, again, I, I think the Cardinals wanted more. If he would have put up numbers like he did, not five sacks in one game, if he would have been more consistent, 15 to 17 sacks, I think we're having a different conversation right now. It's always how did you get to that number, i.e., how did you get to 11 wins? How did you get to 10 and a half sacks? When five of those happened in week one, Kyle, all of a sudden, yeah, MJ's right. You want more. The bar is raised. There's a level of expectation. Ten and a half sacks, that's tremendous. But if it was one here, two here, three here, and then maybe some quiet period, and then what kind of sacks are they? Were they impact sacks, strip sacks, balls, and you're getting that ball back to your offense? Yeah. Look, nobody knows – Chandler Jones better than the people in this building, uh, the people in the front office and the in the coaches. And for whatever reason, um, you know, he wasn't the typical Chandler Jones where, um, you know, a typical Chandler Jones season, it's a half a sack, it's a sack and a half, it's a two sack. It's almost, you know, it's almost a sack every game. And this season didn't look like that. Now, you know, Chandler did get COVID in the middle of the season. And, and you know, that's one of the things, you know, we don't really understand on the outside is did that have an effect? Did it, it affect him missing time, being away from the team, getting out of his routine, those type of things? I, I'm assuming the coaches in the front office have some of those answers. Um, you know, you talk about trying to replace his production. Um, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult uh, to find somebody in free agency to do that. It's going to be difficult to draft somebody to have the type of impact that Chandler Jones historically has had and has the ability to do. Um you know, pass rushes don't grow on trees, and Chandler Jones is a special, special type of pass rusher. When he is going, um, he's not – look, I was a one-move guy. and If my move didn't work, I wasn't getting a sack. I was – I was, uh, I would get some with effort, but I had one move. Chandler Jones has every single pass rush move you can imagine. Um, you know, he can power rush. He can speed rush. He can beat you with hands. He can come inside. Um, you know, and we did talk about even through the games where Chandler Jones didn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, um, he was getting holding calls, he was affecting plays. Um, so his impact was more than even his double-digit sack season. He does have an impact, and he has not you know a lot like we talked about with DeAndre Hopkins, how the defense, they become predictable. Um, an offensive line and how they're going to block a, a Chandler Jones also becomes predictable. You're going to need a tight end on him to give a tackle help, or you're going to need a running back chip to his side. And that opens things up for everybody else on that defensive front um, because they're more than likely going to get one-on-ones across that front. So, um, you know, it, there, there's a lot of tough decisions, and, and a lot of it comes down to um, – what does this team think they can do in free agency, and what positions do they value the most in upgrading? Because, um, you know, look, if they decide not to franchise Chandler Jones, they don't have a shot at him in free agency. Somebody's going to pay him a lot of money and get him the multi-year contract. He's at the point in his career where he doesn't want these one- or two-year contracts. He wants that one last big payday on his way out. Because, I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying this is the end of his career, but it's closer to the end than it is the beginning. Yeah, 32 years old now. You know, maybe because the Cardinals were trailing um, in those last five games. He only had one sack in the last five or six games. And Marcus Golden, he had the only sack in the Rams game, and he only had four down the stretch. So 
obviously when you're playing with the lead, they can tee off. But I do agree with you. He may not see in the stab sheet, but he, he did get some holding penalties. But I, I couldn't agree more. Somebody's going to pay him. Um, you know, you've seen Dwight Franey and John Abraham and even guys like Justin Houston. They're up there in age, but they are more productive. And he's really a three-down backer versus just coming in a situational situation. The financial implications for Chandler Jones and the Arizona Cardinals. If Jones is tagged and an assist here from Joel Corey, former agent who works for CBS Sports, it's $25 million if Chandler Jones is tagged because it would be the second time the team tagged him, which means they would pay a premium, 120% of his cap number from last season. His cap number was over $20 million. He made 15 and a half. That was his salary. So that is the decision that is being made, or maybe it already has been made, if you choose to go that route with with Chandler Jones as far as tagging him. You're going to pay him an additional $10 million than you paid him this past season. Can that money be spent somewhere else? Again, you only have so much, and you can't bring everyone back. Well, we're waiting for these franchise tags to come out. What happens with Hassan Reddick? He's only 27 years old, and he, he's done it in back-to-back years now. Clearly, you know, he's got Brian Burns there. Um, you wonder about Matt Rule's future there, uh, just based on them trying to find a quarterback. But Reddick's only 27, and, you know, I know the Cardinals wanted him to go test free agency, and, and he did it two years in a row. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but there are some guys out there. Melvin Ingram, 32. Um, Harold Landry's 25. That's kind of probably more uh, 25, 26, 27-year-old guys. They're getting more money more um, than the guys that are 30-plus. Again, the window to tag players is now through March 8th, and then free agency begins the following week. A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, also free agents as we look at the number that the Cardinals have. How many of those players come back? Or at this point, do those players want to see what their market value is come March 15th? Sean Jefferson, last week on the Big Red Rage, talked about the number of unknowns when it comes to free agency and the number of Cardinals free agents to be. You know, we have some guys that's coming up on free agency and everything, and, and, and um, that scares me, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, you know, this free agency thing, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in the free agency. Um, and, of course, you know, Christian Kirk's one of our main contributors. He's he's there. You know, we got Chase. We got a bunch of guys. So, um, But I'm, I have confidence in, in our GM and our owner and our whole scouting department, our head coach. I'm pretty sure that, you know, we're not just going to let good players walk. We're not. We're going to fight like hell for them. And, and I'm pretty sure I got, I got a lot of confidence in those guys that we'll get it right. Interesting to hear Coach say it scares me because this is the difference between a coach and then the front office because the front office knows they have so much to spend. And the coach says, well, I can't let good players walk out the door. I need good players to perform so we have a chance on Sundays. And I'm sure Coach Jefferson, when he looks at his wide receiver room, I've got plans, I've got options. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and then tap on the shoulder. Um, Yeah, Kirk went – to somewhere else and AJ Green went somewhere else and I was like, all right, I got to go back to the, like, all right, let's figure it out all over again. Yeah, that's potentially a lot of production that could be walking out the door. Um, it, you know, the way I see it, um, you know, a team, a front office identifies who are our core players, who are the guys we can't move on without. And a lot of those decisions for contract extensions come prior to last season or even during last season. At this point, um, you know, I would think anybody that is a free agent, even if they intend to come back to the Cardinals, they're going to wait and see what their value is. Um, you know, you're not going to 
more than likely you're not going to decrease your value hitting free agency and having you know 31 other teams bid for your services so um you know i it'll be difficult to imagine in the next you know before free agency starts that we do re-sign christian kirk or we do re-sign aj green even if they do want to come back i think that they test the waters and see what free agency has to offer your top two running backs your number two and number three wide receivers your top two tight ends Six players who accounted for 65% of the rushing yards and 71% of the passing yards. Those six players, all free agents. Yeah, and again, you can't resign everyone. Do they have to make a choice? Is it James Conner or is it Chase Edmonds? They have to make a decision. I, I think A.J. Green, to me, uh, I think Antoine Wesley, even though he could be a four or five, I think he could take his role. Um, and then Christian Kirk, I mean, his first time he's going to be a free agent. I mean, so, again, I, I'm sure they have a plan, and normally when you get to the NFL Combine, that's when you kind of plant the seed and find out what they're worth. And then they have that 72-hour um, negotiating period. And so th- these guys will get a better understanding where they stand and how much they're able to spend at certain positions. Yeah, that Monday, second week of March, you can have discussions. Nothing can become official until that Wednesday. The new league year begins and free agency begins 1 o'clock Arizona time on that March 15th or 16th. I believe it's Wednesday the 15th. But, yeah, and we'll find out. Until then, a lot of speculation, a lot of talk, which we'll do here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Check out Season 1 of our Cardinals Folktales series on our official YouTube channel. Visit YouTube.com slash Cardinals to get the story behind the stories from several remarkable moments in Cardinals history. That's Cardinals Folktales, available at YouTube.com slash Cardinals. Original audio podcast also available by searching Cardinals Folktales wherever you get your podcasts. We do it every Tuesday at 11 a.m. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. In the victory formation, Stafford gets the snap and goes to a knee. The benches are going to empty, and the Rams are going to win it. With a strip right out of Hollywood, the star-studded Los Angeles Rams are a hit. They have won Super Bowl 56 in dramatic come-from-behind fashion. Wow. Still not happy about it. But, hey, that's just me. Kevin Harlan on Westwood 1. Yes, the Los Angeles Rams win Super Bowl 56. They are world champions. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, get your seats in a seat. Now, this is our first opportunity to hear from Kyle Vandenbosch post-Super Bowl. And for those that follow us here every Tuesday at 11 a.m. on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network, you'll remember that Kyle's got a connection or has a connection with both Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow. So after the results of the Super Bowl, I believe that people remember the story correctly and right. You just didn't hold Joe Burrow long enough back (laughs) when you were in college. And obviously got him to the Super Bowl, but not quite over the hump. Right, right. Yeah, no, it was a great game. Um, You know, both offenses sputtered at times and, and didn't look good. Um, but what the Rams were able to do, um, so a lot of people talk about, well, is this the new blueprint, right? You go all in for star players and, and try to win it. Um, it. It's not just any star player. These are, 
you know, potential the so the guys on this team, their stars are you know, potential Hall of Fame type players. And when you reach that level, and we've talked about this with the Cardinals, in, in, in these types of games, your best players have to play the best football. Your your big-time players have to have their biggest games in these moments. Um, and that's what the Rams did in the end. I mean, you look at their stars, especially late in that fourth quarter, the way Aaron Donald took over, the way Matthew Stafford executed, and the way Cooper Cup took over the game. Um, that's you know that was the difference in the game and and that's the type of players they had and you don't find those type of players typically available um and as far as blueprints go um you know blueprint is a blueprint but so much of it comes down to fortune had odell beckham jr you know tore his acl two games prior you don't see the rams in the super bowl had um you know and that's again we just circling back to what we talked about in the first segment um, you know, injuries, who they happen to and when they happen throughout the season um, determines so much about how the season ends and, and your success late in the seasons and success in the playoffs. Well, what's interesting, though, you know, two of their best players in that game were draft picks, Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. Now they invested draft picks to Matthew Stafford. You know, I don't think anybody had more pressure on him going into the playoffs. And it took him 13 years to win a playoff game. And so and just the connection with the head coach and the wide receivers, and they didn't have Robert Woods. So you got to give them a ton of credit. And that was the goal to go in and, and play in their own Super Bowl, and hopefully that's the case for us um, coming up in 2021, 2022. Yeah. Hopefully for the third straight year, the host team that plays in that stadium will be Super Bowl champions. We've seen the Buccaneers, the Rams, and now hopefully the Arizona Cardinals in Super Bowl 57. Cardinals, like all 32 teams, and I'll include the Rams. They want to get to that final game. The Bengals had a tremendous run. No one gave them a second thought, even a first thought, back in August and September. But now, what do the Cardinals have to do to make a Bengals size leap forward? 11 wins, yes, but not so many of the win total, but an extended postseason run. Can the Cardinals do what the Bengals just did? LaDainian Tomlinson of the NFL Network believes the Cardinals do have that capability in them. I'm looking at the Arizona Cardinals, and, and here's why. This is a team that at the beginning of last year was one of the better teams in the National Football League. Not only, you know, in their own conference, had one of the best records in the conference. Then what happened? Injuries. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. They lost a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of moving parts on that side of the ball, in and out of the lineup. So they actually regressed as the season went on because of injuries. But if we think about what they did at the beginning of the season, this was a team that was hot. You know, they seemed better than the Rams at, at times. You know, they seemed like the best team in their division. So I look at that and I say this is a team that can easily, if they stay healthy, can make a Super Bowl run and surprise us just like the Cincinnati Bengals did this season. Goes back to what you were saying, Kyle. What happens if a J.J. Watt does not get hurt when he did in Week 7? What happens if DeAndre Hopkins does not get hurt twice and that second time lost for the duration of the regular season and postseason? Those are two five-star players that were playing very, very well at the time of their injuries. Yep. Um, you know, to me, that's 
the story of the season. It's one of the stories. Um, my confidence in this team, is, particularly with Cliff Kingsbury, is you know he's shown tremendous humility. He was hired, didn't have much, or didn't have any pro experience, and was able to learn on the job. And he has. Uh, you know, our offense this year looks different than when he first got here, and he made those type of adjustments. Um, you know, we beat the Rams this year. We won after the bye. We became a, a phenomenal road team. And so I think you, you, he's constantly examining what's working, what's not working, and making the appropriate changes. And, you know, I give – I give the front office credit for giving Cliff the time to make those adjustments. And you've seen, in spite of how the season ended, you've seen the progression in wins. You've seen this team get better every single year. So um, I'm confident that the, the appropriate adjustments will be made. They'll take a good, hard, self, hard self-examination and make the appropriate adjustments. And this team will be able to take that next step to not only get to the playoffs, but win in the playoffs and make a run. Cardinals answered a lot of questions this past season. Winning after the bye, winning on the road, doing well in the division, 4-2 and two is outstanding. It's the best record this team has had in the division under Kingsbury. Yet at the same time, MJ, there are still questions that remain unanswered, and we won't get those questions until December, January of this upcoming season. Yeah, it was encouraging that they stopped the bleeding when they beat the Cowboys, but losing to the Seahawks, that that was that wasn't good. And, and obviously it carried over to the pre uh, the postseason game but back to the drawing board i still think this team has a lot a lot of talent but they got to continue to add more talent to the roster how do you finish that is the big question for the arizona cardinals in 2022 it's not about the start it's about the finish as you look at the rams celebrate their super bowl 56 championship Special thanks behind the scenes as that will wrap up this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, excuse me, Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Special thanks to our senior broadcast manager and producer Jim Omohundro, technical director Cody Fincher. For Kyle Vandenbosch, Mike Jarecki, I'm Greg Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.